Do you see these books on this table next to me? These are the baptismal registries from over 178 years of our parish fulfilling its mission of making disciples and disciple makers here in Licking County. Inside the pages of these books, you will find the names of many souls who first encountered Christ through the sacrament of baptism through our parish. Many of them received also their first reconciliations, their first communions, and then many, many communions after that. Many of them also uh, went on uh, to school here, or they married here, or raised their families or were baptized here. There are even a few who received holy orders and became a priest of our diocese, bringing Christ to countless souls, such as Father Donnie Franks and Father Mike Gribble and Father Ed Keck and Father um, um, Goloni, Father Mark Goloni. A good number of men and women left here to join religious orders. We have two of them, that, three of them from our, uh, fam- in our parish family that I'm aware of right now. Some of these souls also left Licking County and settled elsewhere to raise their families Bringing the work of God began in them here to other parts of the nation and even the world. These books hold the names of generations of souls who have furthered the mission of the church through their lives, their work, and their families. The souls in these books laid the foundations of our parish. Over a year ago, in January 2019, we announced the beginning of our foundations capital campaign. The campaign goal addresses much-needed renovations, new spaces, and deferred maintenance items. I'm happy to announce that we have completed the first two phases of three phases of our capital campaign, the leadership phase and the, the major gift phase of our major capital campaign have both been great successes. The response has been amazing and is a true testament to the sense of mission that we have as a parish. So many of you have already been so generous, giving not from your excess, but sacrificing here in the present to help us meet the needs of the future, as St. Francis de Sales, and catch up with important maintenance issues from the past. Today, we begin the third and final phase the parish-wide phase of our capital campaign. The renovation of the school and the Lamy Center were completed this past fall, and the new Faith and Family Center was dedicated and blessed by Bishop Brennan this past Wednesday. Praise God. We now are tackling that long list of maintenance items that have been deferred from the past and need to be addressed now. Here are some of the maintenance items that we've already completed. The school now has air conditioning for the first time in the history of the school. Our dangerously out-of-date security system throughout all of our buildings was entirely replaced with a whole new system. The bell tower was repaired. The parish gym has been repainted and the floor refurbished. The rotting trim around the exterior of our church where it was rotting uh, has been replaced and all the other trim has been Uh, repainted and weatherized. Now, due to unplanned issues, 
we have had to move some other major maintenance items to the top priority of our capital campaign maintenance list. One such item currently is in what we call the Slattery Hall, which now houses our gym and our preschool. And the problem there is the heating system. Our preschool boiler system has been reliably heating the preschool and the gym and that building since 1949. I'm told that that boiler had needed to be replaced several years ago. So recently, the boiler, again, has started to fail. This can only patch them so long and so much. A long overdue maintenance, maintenance, uh, maintenance item such as this could have been catastrophic to us, meaning from our budget, which comes from our offertory, we never would have been able to replace it. Thank God we did a thorough building audit of all of our facilities, created a maintenance list, and started this capital campaign in order to address backed up maintenance and future plan and unplanned maintenance. We're working quickly to address this particular heating issue. We just got three bids, which our diocese requires from three different contractors. We picked one of them, and we've sent that to the bishop uh, and his team to review and to sign. As soon as he signed, we're beginning work. Plus, this contract will include air conditioning, so the preschool will also have air conditioning. We have a long list of other maintenance that we need to address with this final phase of our capital campaign. For those of you who have not yet given to our foundation's campaign, you, will you prayerfully consider a gift to St. Francis to help us raise our final $200,000 to meet our parish goal and secure our future here in the parish? Whatever you plan to give, please give above and beyond your normal offertory giving so that we can continue to run our daily ministries and, ministry, our daily ministries and operations. Those souls whose names are written here inside of these baptismal registries throughout the years, with their sacrificial generosity, secured the foundations of our beautiful parish for us to this day. Now it's our turn to secure the future of St. Francis de Sales for the current and the next generations. A mailing will be coming to you this week with more information on how you can make a pledge and give. Thank you so much for partnering with us to help others encounter Christ and further our mission of making disciples and disciple makers. Go ahead and please stand. Go ahead and stretch. All right, go ahead and sit down. So yes, I'm going to give you a homily, okay? Um, I, as I told you before, I only talk from the pulpit about money for three important areas. One of them is what we just did, and that's maybe, you know, my 12 years here with you. Maybe that'll be twice. I don't know. And then um, uh, in the fall every year for our offertory to run our parish and ministries and operations, and then in the spring to help out our bishop and his expansive ministries across our diocese. Those three things. Okay, the homily. And I'll be brief. I'll be brief. So, uh, Isaiah 58. 
We hear God speak through the prophet Isaiah that we're to avoid false accusations, malicious speech, and oppression. And that when we do that, then a light will arise in our darkness. What is God saying through the prophet? That whenever we speak badly of other people, darkness overcomes us. But whenever we avoid that, then the light overcomes that darkness, both in our life, the people we're speaking to, and the people that we're speaking about. Now, that's what God tells us through the prophet, to avoid this, and rightly so. But how to do that is the question. And that's where I think a group like the Desert Fathers comes into play. Who are the Desert Fathers? These are groups of individuals who, starting after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, particularly in the second century, all the way up to the fifth century, up to the seventh century, depending what part of, um, of the world we're talking about. These are men who left the cities and went out into the deserts in order to commune with God, uninterrupted. And during that time, uh, they, they just delve into the scriptures. These were men who didn't need to study the languages and, and the history of art and architecture and anthropology and archaeology. They were living it. It was their time. They knew the scriptures. They were contemporary to it. And so they went out into the deserts in order to commune with God by just living their lives in the scriptures. They grew in holiness and they grew in wisdom. And then they attracted other people from the cities who wanted what they had. And they were the ones who started the monastic movements. The monasteries for men, the convents for women. And we have all their writings. They were prolific writers. You can just Google that, Desert Fathers, and start getting a sense of who they were. They knew the scriptures. So they commented on things like Isaiah 58. Here's what one of those desert fathers said about Isaiah 58. First of all, before we get that, what is the contemporary words for things like um, false accusation, malicious speech, oppression? The contemporary words for that is rumors, spreading rumors, right? Talking badly about people, gossiping. Those are the contemporary phrases for our day. And the desert fathers uh, had... They said this, they said, before we ever talk about another person, before that ever goes through our lips, passes through our lips, it must first pass through three golden gates. Three golden gates. What are those three golden gates? It has to be true, it has to be needed and helpful to said, and it has to be kind or not hurt, hurt others. So let's break those three down, just briefly. Before it ever leaves our lip talking about others, whatever the context is, right, it has to first be true. Now, that can be troublesome in and of itself for this reason. We might think we know what the truth is. We might think we have the full context. We might think we know all there is to know about that person and his or her intentions or motivations, but we don't. And so we tell a story about that person 
without knowing the backstory, right? So that's one thing. We have to be careful that what we're talking about is the truth. And a lot of times we don't even have a grasp on what that truth is. Here's another reason why. I could come to you and talk about whoever, right? Tell my story, my rumors, my gossiping, right? I give that to you, and then you turn around and say, let me tell you what Father Sizemore just told me, right? To these three right here. And then you guys tell these two, and then you tell this one, and they tell, and then pretty soon, right, we've got like 100 or 200 people. But it all originated with me and you. What gets lost? The truth, right? You ever play as a kid that game called telephone? Where you tell like a sentence or a phrase to one kid and they pass it and then by the time it gets to the 10th kid, it's completely different. That's what happens with rumors and gossiping and talking about other people. So the first thing is it has to be truth. But the second thing is how can it remain the truth? Right? All right, now that doesn't stand as a silo separate from the other three. Because we might be able to say to ourselves, well, you know, I'm going to tell about this sort of situation because it is the truth. But you have two others that come alongside of it, and they can't be separated. The second gate, before we open our mouths and start talking about other people, the second gate is that it has to be needed to be said and helpful to be said. So what... That's three different layers. It has to be need to be said by me. But then I have to ask myself the question, why do I need to say this to another person? And then it has to be helpful for me to say it. Why is this helpful for me? But it doesn't stop with me, because I'm about ready to talk to another person about it. So why do these other people need to hear this? And how is it helpful to them? But it doesn't stop with them. What about the person that we're telling a story about? Does that person need for us to tell this story? And how is this going to be helpful to them? See, it isn't just about me and my opinion, my evaluation about whether I need to say this and this is helpful. There's others involved, right? And also, the third gate that it has to pass through is that it has to be kind. Another way of saying is it shouldn't hurt, right? So, first of all, obviously, it shouldn't hurt the other person. And we should consider that, that before we start talking about that other person, whoever that person is, whatever that situation is, whether we think it's true or not true, We've got to remember, is this going to hurt that person? But then we have to consider the persons that we're telling. I could go to you and tell you these sort of things, and then what is that going to do to you in relationship to that other person? Is it going to change the way they think about that person? The way they feel about that person? The way they treat that other person? I disinfected them with my guile, Right? And they didn't need that. And that wasn't helpful to them. It hurt them. But it also hurt their relationship with this other person. 
And then finally, I have to look at myself and say, is this going to hurt me? And often the case is, it is going to hurt me. Because if I go out and start talking about this or that person and this and that situation, the persons are going to look at me and say, I'm not going to trust this person. They're all around town talking about this person. They're not going to share with you your vulnerabilities. They're not going to trust you with intimate knowledge about their lives. You're done. Your reputation is ruined. You've hurt yourself. Not just another person that you've affected and the person that you've been talking about. I would add one more fourth gate. That before our words about another ever pass through our lips, it also has to pass through this fourth one. Is what you're about to tell about another person something that Jesus would say and in the way that he would say it? And if he would never tell your story about another person, then why in the world would you? 